Let's do this. Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. This is the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we're helping you turn your cities upside down. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for it. And it's going to be good. It's going to be real good because he is the one that is leading and guiding. And he's going to get all the glory for it. We're not getting glory to ourselves. All glory goes to him. So, Let's jump right on into this today. And uh, uh, I said to our uh, live audience, so you're listening to me now, but if you're watching me, there's a little bit of the behind the scenes before we get started. I was telling them that I'm actually not feeling that good today. Uh, I had got ear infection in both ears, and so I'm slightly disoriented. Hallelujah. (laughs) That should make for a fun episode. But uh, so I covet your prayers. Um. So I'm a little bit slower today than what I would normally uh, be, but it's going to be good. We're going to get into this today. I believe today is episode 128, and I want to talk about five considerations for fervent devotion. And let's start in Matthew 26, verse 40. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 26, 40. And there's something, I haven't talked about it in a while, but there is something that the Lord had put on my heart, and I believe it's kind of part of our uh, message. It's just something that we're anointed to say. You know, you're not anointed to say everything, and you're not anointed to preach everything. Now, there's a lot of pressure sometimes, especially if you pastor a local church like I do. There's a lot of pressure for you to cover every single conceivable topic, and that's gotten some pastors into talking about stuff that they probably shouldn't have been talking about, certain certain things that, you know, have been a little bit, uh, maybe even risque and, uh, probably caused more, uh, problems for the body of Christ than it brought solution because they just simply weren't anointed to communicate on those topics. Somebody, uh, will be, somebody is anointed to teach on probably, uh, everything, not a single person, but I'm saying that the Lord will cover everything that we need covered but not, not one person is anointed to teach on everything. And uh, so, you know, as I've developed over the years, that's something that I've had to become comfortable with is I just am not going to talk on everything because I don't, you know, we know in part, but the part that God has given me light on is a crucial part, uh, crucial in this sense, uh, that that's where I'm graced. That's where I'm anointed. And so that ministry or that message is needed Somebody needs it because I'm anointed to minister on it. Now that uh, there are various topics that I feel like the Lord has graced me to minister on, but we surely don't cover everything. And uh, but I'm so thankful for those ministers uh, that are anointed. Like uh, you know, we're honored and privileged to be associated with Dr. Billy Brim, and I'm telling you, she's anointed to preach on certain things. And right now, one of her core messages is some end-time theology. And I'm telling you, because she's anointed and grace to teach it, she's bringing a lot of clarity where others have brought confusion because they weren't anointed to teach on it. 
And so the Lord wasn't giving them, working with them. You know, remember, he said in Mark that he works with his word. He doesn't work with us. He works with his word. And so when you obey him and are uh, diligent to move in that grace that he graced you with, then he's going to help you and work with you with that. And it's going to bring, uh, bring a, uh, become a blessing and bring increase to the whole body. And, uh, boy, I'm telling you, that is so important not to miss that. Some people... Like I said, miss it. We don't want to miss it. And um, so with that said, Matthew 26, 40, this is one of those phrases, um, principle, uh, a thought. This is one scripture that will substantiate this phrase of this thought that the Lord has had me say for several years now. Sometimes I find myself in certain places and I'm just saying this because it's what the people need to hear. And it says this, and he came to the disciples, this is Matthew 26, 40, and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Now, from this passage of scripture here, we get a principal perspective of something. That there is a time where the fulfillment of a particular plan or a purpose is coming into fruition or is coming into fullness. And there's a countdown, okay? Time is created by God. And it is specifically designed to be useful for him. But there's been uh, a section of eternity has been measured out, calculated as far as time. It's, it's very precise. It's mathematical. But it's on a countdown. It's not on a count up. It's a countdown. So we're counting down to the end of time. And so we see here, he, Jesus is saying, it's like, look, I only have an hour left. All right, so time is useful in that sense for determining where we're at in a process several places in the New Testament, they talk about the last days. What is that? That's referring to the countdown. It's giving us a measurement here, a quanti- a, something we can quantify so where we can distinguish or uh, discover where we're at in the process. And here he's saying, look, I have an hour left and I want you to stay up with me. This is the last hour. All right. So principally, I want to draw this thought that you and I are in the last moments of the biblical time countdown. We saw several places. I mean, there's dozens of places that give us the um, knowledge, the information that we're basically working with a seven-day work week here. Six days are the days of man. And so it's a 6,000-year period and then the millennial reign, which is uh, be when Jesus Christ, the Lord, takes over. But we're in the days of man, but we're in the very last few moments um, you know, when Peter stood up in the book of Acts, the Holy Ghost came on him and he introduced, he said, this is what Joel was talking about. These are the last days where well, the last days are the last two years of man's week. So day five and day six, this 2000 year period, you know, people get frustrated because they say, well, I've heard preachers my whole life saying we're in the last days. Well, yeah, if you've been born within the last two, 2000 years, you are in what the Bible categorizes as the last days. So this last two-day period, this 2,000-year uh, period, day five and day six, we're at the very end of day six. There are ways to calculate um, you know, how many uh, years have actually gone by. There's several great resources um, you know, that uh, will help you in that. If you're interested on you know, how many thousands of years have, have actually transpired and 
they'll show you that we're right there. We're right at the 6,000 year mark. And so why is that of interest? Because the time in which you live uh, points to your work. We found this out in John 4. You don't arbitrarily choose your work. Jesus places you in the timeline. Jesus places you uh, in your work and in your labor. And in John 4, he says, I've placed you into the time of harvest. You're going to reap where others have labored. Uh, you're, you're, you're not laboring, you're reaping. I mean, your labor is reaping. But basically, he, he, he said, I've placed you into the labors of others, and you're going to bring to fruition the work that's gone on ahead of time. Now, that's, that's important. Uh, because if you try and do the wrong work in the wrong time, you're going to mess everything up. Or your tools will be uh, ineffective. Uh, you'll get frustrated. Because if you're trying to sow at the time of harvest, say, or if you're trying to harvest at the time of sowing, can you understand how the wrong work in the wrong time is going to be frustrating to you and to everybody else? You don't choose your work. And so awakening or waking up to the time in which you and I live, that will point to our work. Our, Our time, our generation, is giving a revelation of what our work is. So we're in the fullness of the time. Another way of saying fullness is end. Um, when we're coming to the end of a thing. Another way of saying that is we're coming into the fullness of it or to the maturity of it. So if you listen to what um, the prophetic unction throughout the body of Christ is, everybody's talking about this maturity. Well, again, if you're saying that we're reaching maturity, uh, like the sons of God manifest, there's a, that's, that's a popular teaching, sons of God and I agree with the premise that this is speaking to a mature uh, outworking or a mature function where you'll be able to recognize believers in this time because there's a maturity uh, about them. I, I agree with that premise. Other things about that particular teaching that I don't agree with per se. But when, uh, when, when they say, hey, look, there's, there's a maturity um, of function. There's a maturity of understanding. There's a maturity of demonstration. Many people are saying that, and I'm saying, well, what is another way of saying that? It's saying we're at the end of time or at the fullness of time. You're coming to the end, which happens to be the close of one thing and the beginning of another. And here's what's so amazing is as we're closing the work week, we're coming upon the Sabbath. So the millennial reign would be the seventh day or the Sabbath Sabbath day rest. So it's very important that we finish the work while it's still day. Jesus said that. Uh, he said there's coming a time when no man can work. Well, so uh, there's something that you and I are doing now that is in connection with the ultimate plan. The fullness of time, we're going to see such a demonstration of spiritual things. There will be a spiritual people on the earth, not by right of anything they've done. This is what's um, uh, amazing is we were born into our work it's not because we did anything special. It's not because we are special. It's not because um, we've done something to cause this. It's literally Jesus said, I'm placing you into the work of others. So you can't take any credit there. But you and I, part of our work is spiritual operations, spiritual demonstrations <clears throat> that are on a mature level, glorious operations, glorious demonstrations that would be such that previous generations haven't seen again, not because of anything we've done or because we're special, but because of the labors of others and the time in which you and I live, it's time for this now. <clears throat> All right. So in, with that in mind that we're in the last days, 
uh, if we were to describe this metaphorically as like uh, runners in a baton race, you and I are the last runner. And they put the fastest runner there. Um, and so the speed at which you and I are going to do things, like Amos chapter 9, the speed at which you and I are doing things, again, is not of our own doing or because we're so special. It's just because of the grace that's upon us. It's because of the uh, the the spiritual wherewithal that's being made available the harvest of spiritual things, revelation, insight that has been sown into um, the church, the bride, the building for so long, it's coming to fru- fru- uh, fruition. Um, one of the metaphors, major New Testament metaphors, there's three would be building body and bride. If you look at the building, say, you take the two examples in the Old Testament, the tabernacle and then Solomon's temple, it said this of both times that when the work was finished, I'm paraphrasing, but when the work was done, when the building was complete, then the glory filled it. So if, if, if you take that as a type and shadow, we've been the building or the temple of God in process. We're coming to the end of that now. And so there will be a heightened level of glorious demonstration, again, not because we're special, but because the building is coming into completion or maturity. Okay, so fullness of the times, end of days, uh, end of time, or maturity. These are all synonymous concepts. They basically mean the same thing. And uh, but depending on how people look at the perspective, some may take a an an angle and do a doctrinal spin off and come up with some of this crazy stuff. And that's what gets people. Uh, uh, you know, that's why there's a hundred different thoughts to what's 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 happening <clears throat> all right so uh again i want to say that this time that we're in we will discover that we need to stay awake we need to be uh, very aware of what's happening i find it kind of interesting that there's this uh mantra going on in our nation or around the world it's called wokeism you know are you woke you know and it's like wait wait a sec no jesus said be awake but it's like that antichrist operation has taken that phrase and has already tried to bring definition and saying, well, you're truly awake if you, you know, X, Y, Z or one, two, three or ABC. And all of those definitions to what being awake is right right now is actually uh, antichrist. Uh, so much of it is. It's like it's, it, it is oppositional to the spirit of Christ. But yet the world's saying this is somebody who is awake. And Jesus said, no, no, no. I need you to stay awake with me. You need to wake up to me. I want you to stay on point with me. He said, pray, pray, stay connected with me. There's a lot of messages in what I'm saying here, and I pray that you get exactly what you need today. But uh, when we're praying, see, the next level of prayer, it's, it's been leading up to this, but really the whole training in prayer is that we work with him and we stay with him. You, so many people have taken prayer and they're just doing their own thing, but no, the fullness of the revelation of prayer is that we're actually working with him. Um, Holy Spirit's giving us prayers and we're working so synchronous with him at a level that we have never uh, worked with him on before. When he groans, we groan. There's such a oneness with him. And that's what he's saying in this last hour, be diligent, stay stay up with me, keep up with me, stay united with me, make every effort to stay united in the spirit is what he's saying. Because this is the final push. You got to stay close. 
when we're in the posture and the pace of finishing, there is less room, uh, less room uh, for gap. You know, in the time in which you and I live, if you get too far behind, that's going to be really troublesome. You're probably not going to have, have the time to make up the distance as you would have in previous times where, you know, you could slack off a little bit, but you could make up for that distance. But no, because of the pace and the posture where now you're going to have to be diligent to stay close and to keep up and to stay up with him. And then, of course, that would include whatever leaders and people that God has put in your life, whatever spiritual family, spiritual leader, spiritual headship that he has in your life. It would be your responsibility then to keep that gap, to keep, let me see if I can get on the camera, to keep that gap at a minimum. Uh, people who allow space uh, to enter in are going to be easily taken out. You're going to become a weak link, and that gap is going to work against you. And it won't be the fault of the leader, the leader setting the pace, the follower, the responsibility would be on the follower then to maintain that closed gap. Um, in this sense, unfortunately, I don't want to be negative here, but let me, let me say that while if you'll be diligent and you'll do your due diligent work here, um, there will be phenomenal experiences, phenomenal victories. You will experience a demonstration of glory. There will be such a spiritual demonstration, not only through you personally, but through those people, uh, that you're associated with the rewards will far outweigh the effort. <clears throat> but should you not put in the effort, I think you will experience loss maybe at a degree that you've been previously unfamiliar with. Like there's responsibility now that you do your part because one of the requirements for being useful to the master in this time is that you have chosen maturity. You've put away childish things you've embraced you know remember what paul said he said when i was a child i did things like a child but when i became a man i put away childish things that that concept right there is a requirement uh for you to finish strong in this in this last leg in the time in the time in the countdown that you and i are in right now uh few will finish in this sense if they allow uh tolerance um you know when you think about a um like a high performance vehicle the machining process like on the engine components the brakes transmission uh, you know i'm not a mechanic but you know if you could just imagine with me all the critical component parts the machining is so much more precise that the tolerances are less meaning you know just your regular car out here, there, there may be a zero point, you know, you know, XXX, um, you know, tolerance that is allowed because, you know, the car is only doing 85 miles an hour, you know, they're not driving it, you know, uh, intense or hard, you know. So the tolerances are, uh, what's the word here? I'm trying to think of the words. You can be a little more sloppy, but when it comes to high performance, the parts are running faster. They're running hotter. They're running closer together. There is less room for greater tolerances. You can't have that slop in the bearings. 
You can't have that slop in the drive shaft. You can't have the slop in the way those parts work or you're not going to get the output. So in this leg of the race, you have to understand that you must embrace um, a life paradigm that has less room for sloppiness or you are tolerating less things than you previously did. You know, I've talked many times about a fasted lifestyle. And when God called Samson, say, there are certain callings. Uh, You know, Samson was born at a very precise moment in time. And based on the assignment on his life, there were requirements. uh, Requirements that came with the anointing. Requirements that came with the mandate. And uh, he had to embrace those things. And maybe not everybody did, but he surely had, had to. And, you know, he struggled with that. And you understand that he lost uh, his grace. He lost his anointing. He lost his strength because he didn't honor what was required to have that kind of output. Now, at the very end of his life, he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord empowered him one more time. Uh, you know, when he pushed over the pillars, and not, not, not only did he lose his own own life, but, you know, uh, the Lord had... Um, you know, there was vengeance, there was a judgment that came upon the Philistines. But you understand that Samson could have done so much more had he honored the requirements that were put on his life. And so that's where you and I are at. We're saying, all right, Lord, we're born for such a time as this. There's a particular anointing. There's a work and a mandate that's associated with our time here on the earth. Now, what are the requirements? And I'll give myself wholeheartedly to them. This is, this is what I'm talking about. I'm going to talk about five things today. Uh, just some considerations. I'm, this may not apply to everybody, but it surely applied to many. Um, so the last leg of the race, if you and I are the last runners, which I believe we are, um, this generation, okay, there's a, um, you know, I don't want to lock it down, but, you know, there's a, we're very close. And so you and I are associated with the last generation, uh, it's more aggressive. The pace is more aggressive. It'd be more like a sprint at this point. It requires great endurance. Uh, it's a shorter distance, but it requires more output. Um, it requires precise tuning. This is what I was talking about. There's less acceptance of um, sloppy or large tolerances. Uh, it requires intense focus. You're going to have to be. Uh, you have to be uh, focused distractions are less forgiving during this time like i said if you if you allow that gap if you don't maintain your focus and stay close to the people that god's called you to listen he's put a god man and a god woman in your life it's your responsibility to wake up to that recognize that receive that accept that and then it's also your responsibility to close the gap uh it is not the responsibility of the leader to slow down or turn around uh, to come back and get you um, I totally, you know, in that kind of con- conceptualization, or if we would take that metaphor and play around with that, I totally understand that it would be appropriate that if somebody is taken out unnecessarily, maybe there, uh, something has come in and sideswiped them say, yeah, sure. There's considerations for leaving no man behind. All right. But that's another conversation. What I want to encourage you in now though, is that uh, you need to have the wherewithal or the mindset that it's your responsibility to keep pace. It's not the responsibility of the leader to slow down, 
because you enjoy a slower pace. Um, God is bringing into our life what I call finishing fathers, and these are people that are uh, setting the pace for us. And they are invite. It's an invitation to come into their level of mastery. But what what the leader says is, "Follow me." Remember, Jesus didn't say, "Hey, I'll pick up the rear and follow you." Now, his paradigm was one of service. But when it came to Father's business, Jesus always said, "No, you follow me. You know, you pack up your stuff and follow me." It wasn't the other way around. So this concept is very key to understand and implement is that you are to follow the leader. You got to stay up with, stay behind, stay close to the one, uh, whoever that is. And there may be more, more than one. Um, it could be several uh, things God is doing in your life. But these, these leaders, they are bringing you into mastery. Um, the draft so to speak. You want to use a NASCAR analogy here. If you'll get into the draft of the one God has put in front of you, then uh, it's, there, there'll be less effort on you. Uh, and, and, and so you'll have more energy, say, to dedicate to staying as close as possible because the opening that they're creating as they're spearheading into the future they are doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And as you get close, you're drawn in, you become a beneficiary of the hard work of the general say, or the leaders or the people that have a particular grace or anointing on their life to lead you. I mean, God has set this up ph phenomenal, but that the savings and energy you need to dedicate to staying close because if they go left, you have to go left. If they go right, you have to go right. If they speed up, you have to speed up. If they slow down, you have to slow down. So the um, the energy that you've saved by not being the leader and facing all the resistance of spearheading, you can dedicate that energy now to staying close and keeping that, that gap closed. All right. Uh, this leg of the journey will require better pain management. Some people haven't done well uh, in handling pain of calling or the pain of your mandate or the pain of the obstacles and the resistance that you face when you obey God. This leg of the journey will require you to manage that pain better than you ever have before. Jesus said, hey, they hated me. They're going to hate you. And as we move into a greater demonstration, a more glorious operation, um, that itself is going to kick up a little more resistance maybe than what you've previously experienced before. And you say, well, won't everybody be happy when miracles happen? No. Uh -uh. In fact, um, if you go through Acts, you'll find out that as amazing as these revivals were, it seems like these revivals were met with many riots. Evil men hate uh, those that do good. Let me say it like this. The Antichrist spirit hates anything that is anointed with Christ. And so no, no, no matter what you did, even if you heal, so, I'm not, not, not you, but even if you're utilized, uh, Jesus says the father that does the works, but even if you're utilized to minister healing to somebody, you would think everybody would be happy uh, about that. Well, there's a, an example of that in the first part of the book of Acts where they were brought before a court. Basically they said, 
you're, and, and this, this, this crippled guy got healed. You think everybody would be excited uh, about that. Not everybody was. And so you, you're going to have to be better at handling the pain that's associated with obeying God in this time. Now I'm not talking about physical pain, although that could be included too, as we are navigating what his word says about healing. Uh, it is becoming less and less tolerable to be complaining, moaning, groaning, and having a bad confession. You'll find in this time, in this leg of the race, you're not going to get away with certain words coming out of your mouth, certain attitudes. We're not talking about faking, but we're talking about having the flesh under control. It is self-control. And uh, it is less tolerable for somebody who's walked with the Lord for X amount of time or who has come into an anointing or a grace of such proportions to still have their mouth be untamed or have certain confessions. Remember what James said. He, he said, fresh and bitter water should not be coming out of the same mouth. Blessing and cursing. He said, it's unacceptable that it would be coming out of the same mouth. And at some point, there's going to be accountability brought to you concerning those things. It's not a salvation issue, but it's a place issue. And if you refuse to come into this level of accountability as it, as it concerns how you deal with symptoms, how you deal with struggles, how you deal with opposition, how you deal with persecution. Jesus said, bless those and pray for those that persecute you and despitefully use you. Again, it'll be less tolerable for you to have a bad attitude about those that mistreat you. You understand Jesus at this level of output, this level of grace and anointing, he's saying you're gonna, your first response is going to have to be one of blessing and not one of running your mouth about some, some, someone. It doesn't matter what they did to to you. Jesus expects you to bless and pray. You understand? So tolerances, because if 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 you want to go back to those sloppy tolerances, then you're not going to have the output, and so you're not going to be uh, you're you're going to be positioned accordingly. All right. Um, we at at this time, uh, we have to utilize the latest advancements. The, the Bible says we go from grace to grace. So what's required? The latest grace is required. And the Bible says we go from faith to faith. What's required? The latest faith. And let me talk about that for just a second. Um, you're not where you were when you started. And so it is less tolerable now for you to revert back to an infantile operation of faith when you've developed your faith over X amount of years, the latest level of faith is what's going to be required for you. You're not going to be able to go back two or three or four steps behind and say, well, this is where I want to operate. No, what will be required, and it's not a negative, it's a positive, but what's required is that you maintain that high level of operation. If you want to default back to a more immature stage, well, then you'll lose your place because what's required is the latest faith. What's required is the latest grace. Uh, latest grace. Uh, Bible says we go from glory to glory. We're operating in that level of demonstration. It is not tolerable to go back, you understand, several revisions and say, no, 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 this is where I want to operate. No, that's not, that's not what's required right now. See, 
we we've entered into the labors of others. Others labored in that level or that operation. Now their work is coming into a fullness. And he said, I want you to labor here. I want you to labor in the harvest of this over here. And so again, we're renewing our mind to what our work is. All that I've talked about this morning is giving you clues or hints as to what our work is. And you don't choose your work. You know, when we talk about this, you say, well, that's too difficult. I don't know if I want that. Well, um, okay. Uh, <clears throat> maybe this doesn't apply to you. But again, I want you to know this, that you're probably not initially just it's, you're going to be all excited about whatever the work Jesus has for you because it's, it's the nature of the flesh to want to choose our own thing. Remember, uh, you know, I alluded to Samson. What, 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 what was the enemy that Samson faced? In fact, at that time, and really still, still today, actually, Israel's greatest enemy, uh, their arch nemesis, has been the Philistine spirit. Well, Philistine means to wallow in self. The word Philistine itself means to wallow in self. That's our greatest enemy, is, is doing our own thing. Whenever Jesus says, here's what I have for you, your flesh doesn't agree with that. The flesh nature, the nature of the flesh, the fallen nature wants to do its own thing. It doesn't agree with God. In fact, the Bible says that a mind that is set on the things of the flesh is an enemy of God. So what I'm saying is uh, you're probably initially, if, if you're very in tune to the, to the flesh, none of this sounds fun. None of this sounds exciting. All of this sounds like hard work. All of this sounds like serious effort. All of this sounds like I'm going to have to actually dedicate myself or discipline myself or focus myself. Well, yeah, but his grace is sufficient for you. It's the flesh right now that is fighting against this and saying, well, that sounds like I'm not going to have any fun. Well, according to the flesh, but your flesh is so self-centered. Your flesh is self-absorbed. Your flesh doesn't, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, your flesh does not have the mind for spiritual things. It's going, I don't even, none of this makes sense to me. I just want to do my thing. I want to be comfortable. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to get out of my comfort zones. I don't want to have to do anything that hurts, that's painful. You know, I had to start working out because I had a back injury. And I'm telling you, the first couple of days were fun and exciting because it was new. But then when it became a chore, you know, when it became a have to, all of a sudden my flesh says, you know, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Well, that's the way of the flesh. And you're going to have to put that under. If, if you're going to operate premium output, if you're going to come into the work that's been assigned to you that has everything to do with the maturing of the saints, then you're going to have to stop agreeing with the flesh and jump into this thing blind, as they would say. I mean, it's, it, it's only blind to the natural man. Your spirit man fully sees it fully capable of understanding, but you're going to have to go into it, trusting God and abandoning yourself to it. Again, when I brought up Samson and his mortal enemy was the flesh wallowing in flesh, right? He wanted to party with the girls, you know, he wanted, you know, he, he, he wasn't to cut his hair. He, he treated the parameters and the boundary of his mandate and his assignment with such sloppiness. It cost him. And he didn't honor the boundaries or the parameters. He didn't honor that which was to help substantiate the flow of glory in his life. You and I are going to have to embrace those parameters that actually um, open up 
Now, the flesh says it's closing in, but in the spirit realm, these parameters actually open up for more demonstration. Again, the flesh says, well, you're taking away all my fun. No, that's a lie. These parameters, these boundaries, these disciplines in the spirit actually bring greater demonstration. All right, and lastly, I think I said this before, um, we have to choose maturity. Um, Maturity is a requirement to finish and finish strong. Again, I quoted 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Paul said, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, I acted like a child, I played like a child, I accumulated child toys. My whole paradigm was fun and games and goof and and silly and practical jokes and pranking and, and you know, uh, uncouth. You know, when we think about children, we, th- we think about, you know, bodily functions that are funny, burping, you know, just, just it's sloppy. It, 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 it takes no consideration for what we off put on other people, you know, our bodies out of control, hands in the air, you know, you know, cause you know, we're training our children when they're sitting at, at the table, you know, your feet are in front, your plate is in the middle, you're putting one hand down in your lap, you know, you're in, simply like, what's the point of all this? <clears throat> Well, it's self-control. We're teaching self-discipline because if you don't rein in the flesh, the flesh will take over you. You know, there are considerations that if you want to have high output, you may have to embrace more parameters, less tolerance. You understand? Fasted lifestyle. Um, something that I've lived, lived by when my spiritual father said, Justin, what others do, leaders don't. And I embrace that as a concept, as a principle, in my life as a, as, as a um, navigation point, as a guidepost, that my flesh looks at other people and says, well, how come I don't get to do that? But then I have to say, well, because I'm called. I'm not better than anybody, but my calling demands a certain restraint. Your calling demands certain restraints. In fact, you should probably confess that. You need to say, my calling my assignment, my mandate, it demands certain restraints. Um, it's not because you're better than anybody else or special. It's because you're graced. And that grace is seeking a way to demonstrate itself. And in order for it to be fully open, there will be protections brought in place that prioritize that operation. The flesh will always work against that. Food has taken more people out of the ministry. There are people who've died prematurely because they had no self-control in what they were putting in their body. Um, Sexual things, um, inability to handle relationships with the opposite sex, whether it be male or female, whether it be heterosexual or homosexual, has taken people out of the ministry. Um, Entertainment. Entertainment can uh, dull you dullness has taken people out of the ministry. You know, iron sharpens iron. Our paradigm spiritually is that we're continually being sharpened. Some people say, no, I don't want to go through the pain that's associated with being sharpened and coming into a very powerful place of operation. (coughs) Excuse me. And so dullness has cost people 
uh, their calling. Dullness has cost people their mandate. Uh, dullness has cost people their ministry. I'm saying to you, friend, you need to change. Maybe it starts with a simple confession. You need to change what you've been saying about yourself. The enemy's lied to you and said that if you go this path of high output, that you're not going to have any fun, you're not going to have any friends, you're not going to have this, you're not going to do that, you're not going to get to do what you want to do. You won't be able to eat ice cream. You won't be able to eat sugar. You won't be able to just, you know, do this or do that. Well, that may be true, but what's on the other side of embracing what Jesus says I need you to embrace for me? You know, here uh, we started in Matthew and Jesus in that literal context what was it, two or three times he came back to him. He said, can you not stay up with me? He said, temptation is nigh. Can you not stay up with me? Can you see how their lack of self-control, you know, I mean, how often is it that you actually get to be with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Like this, this was a one, uh, one-time thing, that you're right there literally as he is navigating the very end of his life where he's bringing all things uh, into a place of completion, his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And he asked these three close people, I just need you to pray with me for one hour. Can you see how their lack of discipline in that area kind of costs them a little bit here? This is what I'm saying. Why is that in the Bible? As an example, there's a passage that says these things are in the Bible for examples for us. Some things we don't need to do. We don't need to um, experience uh, the same thing that those three disciples did because their experience, their failure in that should be a teacher to us today that it was Jesus' will that they would stay up with him and stay close to him in fervent prayer as he literally prayed through the last moments of his physical life here on the earth. That's in there as an example. Jesus said the spirit is willing, but what? The flesh is weak. So you're going to have to uh, embrace a paradigm that says, I'm going to put protections in place to keep my flesh from disqualifying me of my spiritual mandate. That, this goes for everybody. This isn't just for ministers. Uh, you're here on purpose with a purpose, and it's up to you, and the Holy Ghost is helping you, but it's up to you to bring in those kinds of disciplines necessary for you to finish strong. We're not comparing ourselves. We don't. In fact, the Bible says it's very dangerous to compare yourself among others. But I, I think what I've talked about today, it's a very general principles, general concepts, um, mindsets, attitudes that you need in order to finish strong in the time in which you and I live. So again, uh, maturity. We need to choose maturity, meaning you're not going to be able to do some of the stuff that you used to do I'm not talking about when you were 10. I'm talking about when you were spiritually immature. It's not necessarily about age. I mean, there are young people, young people on the earth right now that are extremely spiritually mature because they've developed that. What, what he said, we put away childish sayings. He's not talking about, you know, I had Legos when I was 10. He's saying that there are things that immature people do. You're going to have to embrace crossing over out of that, putting those things aside bringing some restraint to yourself and says, you, you know what, That's, that level of sloppy is immature. I'm at a point now in my spiritual life where that shouldn't be known about me. That shouldn't be said about me. Or you're literally uh, being invited to come into a new role or a new level of operation, another faith, another glory, 
faith of faith is what I mean. It's building upon itself. We're not talking about another faith, but, but faith that's been built. And you're being invited to come into a more glorious demonstration of your spiritual walk. But the cost, if you will, and I'm telling you, it's a bargain at any price, but the cost is to put away immature things. You know, I'm surprised. I mean, I really am. I'm surprised at the amount of spiritual people that just do not prioritize the gathering of themselves together even like they used to, you know, COVID and all the, and all that kind of stuff. That COVID was not from God, but so many people told, totally just just abandoned all kinds of disciplines, spiritual disciplines, because it's like COVID gave them a pass to go back to sloppiness, spiritual sloppiness. And I'm telling you, there's there's no pass, no judgment. I'm not judging any, anybody, but I'm saying there was no pass. The same requirements spiritually were still there during COVID as they've all as they've always been, but we need to take uh, moments like like that, situations like that, and use them to evaluate and locate ourselves. You need to locate yourself. I'm telling you, some people they're they're afraid to locate themselves because they're afraid of the, of the truth. But but I'm telling you, friend, there's no condemnation. But you need to recognize, hey, look, maybe I'm not where I need to be, or I'm being invited into another place, and I am emotionally, I am physically, and I am spiritually uh, preparing to step into that and to never return back to this place that I came from. You know, there's some things in my life that the Lord has been preparing me for. I've been emotionally preparing to make some decisions. I've been physically preparing, uh, getting some things together um, physically, uh, and then spiritually, I've been preparing to step into a place, step in, step into another grace uh, that there's not going to be any retreat from. Uh, for for example, this is a simple example, but the Lord was dealing with this to start this podcast, and so I spent months emotionally preparing, physically preparing. What I mean is getting things ready, getting equipment. Uh, conceptualizing like the studio and the whole back end process that took months but I was emotionally preparing to make a decision to obey God to do something that there was no retreat from meaning this wasn't this wasn't just a game God was saying I want you to do this and so I was preparing myself to say yes and then to stay with it I wasn't going to draw back and what has happened three years ago you know, from three years ago to now when we said yes, and this is very simple. This is just a simple example. But the amount of prep and effort and spiritual effort that's gone into doing, doing this podcast has actually caused me to grow. And so that was the Lord's intent. There was spiritual development through saying yes to his leading. But when I said yes to the podcast, I said no to a lot of other things. I mean, when I said yes to to obey him in this area, I also said yes to a bunch of restriction to, uh, to limit myself in order to facilitate what he asked me to do. You understand what I'm saying? You can say yes to him. It means you say no to a whole lot of other things. Well, that's maturity. That's leaving childish things as they would compare to this other thing that's going to bring growth and maturity and increase in, to your life. The things from yesterday pale in comparison now. Those are immature things now. You don't want to revert back to them. We go from faith to faith, glory to glory, 
Strength upon strength, Psalm, Psalm says, grace upon grace. Um, let me leave you with this verse here, Jeremiah 12, 5. He says, if you've run with footmen or mere men and they've wearied you, how can you contend with horses? And if the land of peace in which you trusted, they wearied you, how then will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? Again, what's the Lord saying here? He's saying, I want you to go from this level to the next. These are some considerations. These are some mindsets. These are things maybe you need to ponder on. Maybe you need to contemplate. I haven't given you specifics because I think the Lord has already given you specifics, but these concepts, these principles will help undergird the fact that you should be spiritually progressing in some area. If you're not, then there's no, um, there's no, if you're not progressing, you're regressing. If, if you just stand still and you don't put your effort into going into the things of the Lord, the winds of doctrine, the winds of fleshiness, it doesn't even have to be doctrinal in, in that, that sense. It could just be the winds of the flesh, just the way the culture is going. Um, you know, if you're not passionate about the Lord, you're going to get passionate about something else. If you don't put your effort, if you don't lean into what he has for you, become passionate about that, where you put your weight into it, then the winds of lust, I'm not saying sexual, it could include that, but just lust of the flesh, you'll, you'll, you'll be excited about inconsequential things. You'll get excited about movies or games or cultural pop culture. Listen, there are people right now that know more about Hollywood you know, Hollywood people, then they know Bible people. You know more about movies and games than you know of the scriptures. This ought not be so if you're wanting to finish strong. There's no judgment, but I'm saying if you're wanting to finish strong, then you're going to have to put your weight into getting uh, passionate about what the Lord has you for so you can withstand the wind that blows in an opposite direction. <coughs> the flesh is going to look for the easiest way. You know, they say water, it always looks for the path of least resistance. The flesh will look for the path, uh, the path of least resistance. But I don't know if that's going to help, help you finish, strong friends. So um, I hope this has encouraged you. Some of these concepts, some of these principles, these are baseline considerations in my opinion. But it's where we're at. Uh, it's where I'm at. Uh, you know, the Lord has had me minister on these now for probably four years, but I believe the intensity, like the window, maybe, you know, the uh, grace period, as they would say, of getting some of these things aligned in our heart, uh, because there's a great uh, work ahead of us. We've come into a new era. There's an introduction. We've been in an introduction. Uh, one of my spiritual fathers says that um, you know, when, when you come into a new time, there's like a blending of sorts as this previous time kind of fades out and this new time kind of fades in. We're kind of in this middle place here where these two, two moments of time, these two works, these two eras are kind of blending for a moment, but we're coming into where what's going to be left is our full devotion on the work at hand. What's going to be left is as we've navigated this shift in our heart God's going to expect us to be full on 
in what our new assignment and our work is, and we'll be all about that. Hallelujah, friends. It's amazing. What a glorious time that we are living in. Well, I hope this has encouraged you, <clears throat> blessed you. Listen, I want you to know that we are championing you. Uh, we are rooting for you, friend. And, uh, you know, part of our, uh, <clears throat> I guess our motto here is that we're helping you turn your cities upside down. We're giving you scriptural motivation and strategies so you can get out there and get some stuff done for King Jesus. Listen, he's got a tremendous plan for you. And he wants you to be all in. Listen, that's where the big rewards are, is to be all in, friend. Oh, hallelujah. And I believe that that's the kind of person you are. All right, praise the Lord. Well, uh, if we can help you in any way, it would be our honor to do so. Several ways you can reach out to us. You can send us an email at hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv. Or you can call us, 870-741-9099. Leave a message. Somebody will get right back with you. You know, one way we can partner with you is by joining our faith together with you concerning something in your life. I want to say thank you. Oh, a tremendous thank you to those who have prayerfully partnered with us. That's my first request that you would pray for us. You would take us on as a partner to pray for. Uh, we believe that your prayers have made this podcast what it is and continue. Your prayers continue to expand it into new territory and new places. Also, I want to say thank you to those who have financially contributed. Any uh, financial gift, gift is tax deductible. And if you want to participate in that way, several ways you can do that. You can go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give. Or if you're in the United States, you can text to give 84321. That's 84321. Follow the prompts. Or you can mail a check to P.O. Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. Listen, friends, I've enjoyed today. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. And until next time, be blessed.